You may be seated. We're talking about the Trinity. We just heard the words about how God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were involved in the creation of all things, in the creation of this world, in the creation of animals, in the creation of plants, in the creation of you. And you see, we're all designed in a very specific way by God. Pascal would tell us that each and every one of us have been designed with a God-shaped whole, a place in our life, a place that causes longing, urging, that causes us to look out into the world, to look for something transcendent, to look for something outside of ourselves, something other that gives meaning to life. I've been working through N.T. Wright's book entitled Simply Christian, Why Christianity Makes Sense, and he talks about this God-shaped hole. He actually talks about it in the way of voices or whispers, things that we can hear, but when we try to focus on them, they slip from our grasp. It's like waking up for a dream and trying to remember that thing as it slips off into the distance, and you have the sense or feeling of the joy that you had in that moment of the dream, but somehow it's distant, somehow it's gone. And that each and every one of us, regardless of who we are, regardless of where we were born, regardless of how we were raised, have this longing this sense for God. One of those voices, one of those echoes that N.T. Wright talks about is our delight that we have in beauty. I'm a fan of beautiful things, as I'm sure you are as well. And when I used to sup at the philosopher's table, I studied this area of philosophy called aesthetics, the study of beauty. What makes something beautiful to man. Now, of course, we all have different ascetic stances. You might find one type of music beautiful, and I might find another beautiful. You might find one type of art beautiful, or one form of physical appearance beautiful, while someone else might find a very different type of beauty in the world. But the fact remains, we all have a sense and a delight in beauty. You see, as we heard these words of creation, how we were crafted by God, how we were made by Him, we were all hardwired in our design to have a sense of beauty. There are certain things that strike our senses, that strike our eyes, that strike our ears, that strike our hearts. No one had to teach you what beauty was. The first time you saw it, if it was in your second-grade school teacher, if it was in a small flower that you saw blooming, if it was in the face of your mother or in the caring nature of your friend, you knew innately that it was beautiful. I've studied beauty for a number of years trying to figure out why do I think things are beautiful, and I've come down to two principles. I believe that for me, beauty is a factor of two different characteristics, spacing and pacing. To me, beauty is when something is pleasing both in its place and in its time. When you find something that hits that sweet spot, something that is in the right place and at the right time, that thing for me is beautiful. And so I find many strange things beautiful. I can find a golf swing beautiful if it's done at the right time and in the right place. 
I can find argumentation beautiful if words are offered at the right time and in the right place. I can find vacant buildings in downtown St. Louis beautiful if they inhabit the right time and the right place. If you look what the word beauty means in Greek, one of the words for beauty actually is based on the word for hour. The biblical understanding of beauty has an understanding of timing. In fact, uh, in another form of Greek, the word beauty actually is equated to the word ripe. That when a fruit is ripe, when it is in its right place and at its right time, when it has reached the apex of what it has been designed to be, then it is truly beautiful. And as I was thinking about this concept of beauty, I was reminded of the probably only existential philosophy book in Scripture, the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you were to look in chapter 3, I want you to hear these words that I'm about to read, and I want you to try to find your ascetic sense. Where is beauty found in these passages when it says, There is a time for everything, a season for everything under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, to tear down, to rebuild, to cry, to laugh, to grieve, to dance, to scatter, to gather, to embrace, to turn away, a time to search, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to dispose of, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet, a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What do people really get from all of this hard work? from all of these things that God has given us to do and the various kinds of work that we have been given. And he says in verse 11, God has made everything beautiful. He has made everything beautiful in its own time. You see, Christians, we have a very unique ascetic sense we find beauty in a way that the world doesn't. We aren't like Plato who would throw this world away as some shabby, inferior form of reality waiting for this beautiful ideal to be found somewhere else outside of creation. And we're definitely not like the Pharisees who saw beauty on the outside, as Jesus tells them in Matthew, that you are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look very beautiful, but on the inside, you're filled with filth. That's not the kind of beauty that we see. For us, things are beautiful when they happen according to their design, in the way that God has placed them, in the way that He has timed them. We see a beauty in God and in the works of His hands. And because of that, Christians can find odd things beautiful. In the list of things that I read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, only about half of those things would you normally think would be beautiful. But we as Christians, we have another sense that allows us to see, to penetrate the surface, and to look deep down inside. And as we look at these things, we can find that when they are done according to God's plan, at the place in the time that He has appointed, that death can be beautiful that killing can be beautiful, that tearing down can have its beauty. 
that turning away and losing and sorrowing and tearing and being quiet and hating and warring can be beautiful. It's a sense of beauty that transcends the ascetics of the world. It's a sense of beauty that only we as Christians have been given. And what is the most beautiful thing you have ever seen? Well, for me, it is Jesus. But it's not the Jesus in the white robe and the pearly white teeth and the blonde hair and the Aryan blue eyes. It's Jesus in pain. It's Jesus while he's being beaten. It's Jesus while he bleeds. It's Jesus while he hangs on the cross in agony. It's Jesus as he struggles to lift his chest and to fill his lungs with air, pushing down his full weight upon the nails that holds him there. It's the sweat of Jesus that drops like blood. All of these things are beautiful because they happened at the right time and they happened in the right place. And I don't know when God found his way into your life if it was at the baptismal font, if it was later in life, if it was through your wife, if it was through college, if it was something that happened just last week, if it was while you were walking in the woods, it was while you were reflecting on your existence. I don't know when it happened, but I can tell you this. I can tell you that it was beautiful because God knew the right place in the right time in the same way that he knew the right place and the right time for the sending of his son, that at the fullness of time Jesus came, that while we were yet sinners, at that very moment, through all of the seconds that he ever could have come, he came at the moment that was the right one. He came at the time, not one second too soon. He came at a time that was perfect and beautiful, and he's promised to come at that perfect time again. N.T. Wright tells us that we can hear a beautiful song, and it's like a song that's being carried from a very far place, being carried by the wind, and we can hear the opening prelude to this music as it lofts upon the air. And as hard as we try to listen, we can't hear the final movement. We can't hear the final piece. But the notes that we can eke out, the notes that we can recognize are the most beautiful song that we've ever heard. The melody is entrancing. It's intoxicating. It is beautiful to our ears. And we know that that song will be played in full when Jesus Christ, the creator of all, comes again to his creation and recreates us when heaven and earth become one and and we live with God in that new creation. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit once again, just as Adam and Eve, when the story is complete at just the right time and at just the right place, we can hear the rest of that music. And brothers and sisters, I don't know many things but what I know is this. 
it will be beautiful.